Welcome to this episode of Clarecast. You are listening to Clairvoyant Jette Hartimer from Copenhagen. Today I have invited the English medium, Paul Jacobs. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. Could you please tell the listeners who you are and what you are doing? Well, as you've said, my name's Paul, and I'm working as a spiritualist medium and have been professionally for around 17 years. Been in- interested in the subject for well over 20 years and very much searched and questioned the subject for a long time before I was convinced about the reality of the spirit world, not only convinced that I had the ability as a medium. And once I received um, evidence that the spirit was a real reality, I then checked to see um, my own research for myself about my own abilities. And even then, I kept my feet firmly on the ground and wanted to be really sure that the information I was receiving was coming from the spirit world and not from somewhere else. And over the years, especially in those early years, I was not convinced with a lot of mediums in the type of information and the way that they were working. I was fortunate that I had one of the best mentors in England, Mr Gordon Higginson, who was probably one of the finest mediums in the world. He was a medium for over 60 60 years. So very much my main aim as a teaching medium, which is the most important aspect of my work now, is to make sure that we keep a real good standard of mediumship. That's where I focus on, even though I still maybe do other types of work as well. But giving this evidence that the spirit world is real is what's important to me because there's so many other possibilities where we can get information from. I can imagine that it has been a long journey for you to be who you are today and to work as a teacher and a medium. What is your story and your background? To be a working medium, and especially to the degree of work that I do, takes a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment. If people choose the direction in their life to become a working medium, they're not choosing an easy path. There's lots of struggles, there's lots of disappointments. Often you'll go through periods of loneliness, not being understood, isolated, And there are many hurdles to cross because it's not just developing the ability of either clairvoyance, clairaudience, whatever aspect of mediumship. There has to be developing developing and strengthening of the power of one's own spirit. And that means doing a lot of work on oneself, which is also a very lonely, personal thing to do. But that's what gives you the strength to deal with the things you have to deal with in in your work as a medium. Because as a medium, you're going to meet all sorts of people from all walks of life, many people with ver- very varying experiences and circumstances, and you have to be strong enough to deal with that without any prejudice at all and be able to help these people in whatever way you can. So, as I said, it's not an easy path to choose, but it's a worthwhile one. I wouldn't swap what I do for anything. Before I came into this work, I was a businessman. And most people from those days think um, or thought I was a little crazy and could not believe I gave up the business world to do what I do now. But when I was a businessman, even though I had success, nothing ever seemed to satisfy me. There was always that something missing. 
that emptiness within. And it is only through discovering the reality of the Spirit that has filled that emptiness within, which has now given me purpose and motivation for reason for, for my reason to be alive, to, to live that motivation. So you have also felt lonely and misunderstood? Yes, I've I've felt misunderstood and lonely and That's not just in the past, that can still happen now and will happen again in the future. Any spiritual journey, very much of it is a personal thing. Even though many of us say we can understand another person, nobody's experience is the same as somebody else's. And that journey spiritually, that has to be that personal aspect to it, which then can bring this um, loneliness or aloneness. It doesn't mean that there's not people in your life. But there are certain things to do with the spirit you cannot pour into words or share with other people. It is a real personal thing. You are a teacher at the Arthur Findlay College a University for Mediums. What is going on there and what are you doing there? The Arthur Findlay College is a wonderful place. There's nowhere else really like it in the in, in the world. I went there over 20 years ago as a student never believed I would be actually working there as a teacher I didn't set out to become a teacher there are many people who train to become mediums and even before they've trained their mediumship have already decided they want to be a teacher of it and if you're going to be a teacher of this it shouldn't be that something that's forced it should happen naturally uh, it should be a progression that takes place I've had no training as in the formal sense of um, t- being a teacher, but because of the inspiration and the awareness of the spirits, my experience, my training, I'm able to teach the subject. But also, I very much believe in teaching it with a very much feet on the ground approach, um, a simplicity, but also a very practical aspect to it. Because there are many people I find come into this at times with their head in the clouds. And I do I do not encourage that um, because you know there's enough people who think we're crazy as it is without it all being floaty, and I want people to see it as something normal, nothing extraordinary, because it is a natural thing. It's a natural ability, and we're speaking about something that's natural about the spirit world. Nothing strange or or weird or or that's out of our norm. It, it is something normal because we're spirit, and that's what we're part of. And at the college, again, I was fortunate many years ago to meet many wonderful mediums who all gave me encouragement and support along my way. And I've always said I would like to do the same back. And at the college, you can experience many different aspects. You can learn to understand about self-awareness of one's own spirit, developing mediumship where we can be looking at demonstrating to the public, private sittings, the psychic level and the mediumistic level there's the two aspects spiritual healing transmediumship so there's many aspects also the speaking side philosophical side and then there is also um, teaching courses there as well for those who are ready to move to that stage you have created your own international spiritual center house of spiritual in uh, Hanover Germany Could you please tell us a little about it? For many years, I, I've wanted to have my own center for several reasons. One, as I get older, I'm not going to be able to keep doing the traveling I do from country to country, week in, week out. And secondly, 
often between mediums there's a lot of confliction on training of mediums and often students can become confused so what I've been working on is actually training my own mediums then moving them into teaching where they're still very much their own individuals and style but they are teaching the basic same aspect I'm teaching and in a way roughly the same methods but in their own personality and style so there's no confliction because so many students get confused by saying well this teacher told us to do it this way another teacher told us to do it this way my way may not be correct or the right way for everybody but everybody developing their gifts needs to search and find the right teacher for themselves running from different teacher to another teacher to another teacher ends up in confusion I'm not saying you can't learn different things from different people. Basically, there should be one main teacher for you. And I found those students who have stood by me and I found I'm the one for them, they've, they've moved forward quicker and stronger. Other teachers may have the same experience. I'm, my way is not the only way and I'm not the only person who can train a medium well there's many good teachers out there but like I say there can be this conflict and confusion if students keep running about so by having my own centre I have got the freedom to be able to do that and decide what takes place there who works there what's taught there and in a way the centre in Hanover the centre we have now is quite nice it's nice surroundings nice atmosphere it's a very nice building but it's also part experiment because what I would like is to have an actual residential place like Stansted Hall at the Arthur Finley College, maybe not quite so grand or large. I'm not sure what country at the moment. So it can be an international centre. And this is why I'm trying with the centre in Hanover where there's not courses just for German people. We have Danish course, Dutch course, Italian course, international courses. So I can bring people from different parts of the world together um, under one roof, which I can then put the formula together in the way I see it and build a strong team because I cannot carry on the work forever and ever. So I want to those individuals that I can sort of pass the information, the knowledge, and particularly those I know I've trained to a good degree in quality of mediumship. Because there's a lot of teachers, to be honest with you, and I don't like saying this, but who are teaching mediumship, and their own mediumship is not of a good quality. And a good teaching medium needs to have a good mediumistic ability and psychic faculty to be able to link in and tune to the student and help them in the exercises and understand what's going on and happening with them. So if a teacher hasn't got that ability to that degree, then they're not always going to be able to help the student to the degree they should. So all those teachers that I'm going to be using, who I'm training through their mediumship, I know have got that quality and ability. So in group work, there will be very much a good support and strength um, to the students. You say that uh, as a medium, grounding and discipline is very important. Why? Keeping our feet on on the ground is important. I mentioned earlier about a lot of people um, have their head in the in the clouds, because the mediumship um, and the psychability very much works through the faculty of the imagination. So very much we can easily get carried away, and 
quite often it can become fanciful and we've got to be able to provide fact. There's many people I've seen in websites, I've seen in books and on cassettes teaching many, many things to do with the spirit but there's no evidence of and I question how much of this is just simply fantasy people with their heads in the clouds or actually escapism or often creating these things which are supposed to be real this knowledge that is not real about the spirit world um, because it sounds something a little bit more spectacular so often when people ask me questions about things they've read in books or on tapes or even TV or, or other classes and lectures I always say well where is the evidence that that is a fact it's when I teach about the spirit world myself I do not teach what I've read from a book or heard somebody else say. I teach about my own, from my own experience of the spirit world, which I've had many of. I've been fortunate. Many mediums, even though they might be good mediums, have not experienced aspects and facets of what the spirit world is like themselves personally. So I very much teach and speak from knowledge and experience. And again... In this subject, everybody wants one defined answer and everything put into one little box and section and it all clear-cut. And that's not possible because in one way, we're speaking about a subject that's not tangible. It's like the question of reincarnation. So when people ask me the question about reincarnation, firstly I say, I have a belief in reincarnation but I cannot prove it to you for a fact. But also, I know there could be possibilities of more than one answer to the question of reincarnation. So I can answer you in a way of giving you possibilities of what reincarnation can be, but I can give you four, five, six possibilities of an answer to what reincarnation is, but which one is true, or whether more than one of them is an aspect of the truth, I cannot say for definite. And there's many aspects to this subject. We cannot prove 100%. All we can do is have experiences and understanding. Because if, if you look, we're looking at another mind imparting information into another mind encased in this physical body. That's not easy. And it's like learning another language. It's difficult for this conscious mind in this physical body to fully comprehend and understand some of the things the spirit world are trying to share and give to us. And then, when they do, it's then our conscious mind may interpret that information. And this is why you get these different degrees of variations of what an answer may be on something. Even if you go back to past religions and the teachings of different religions, if you look at all religions, it's the same basic truth that lies beneath all. Most religions began on the voice and communication from the spirit world. But those prophets or seers who received the information that first founded those religions, their religions were set up because their minds would have interfered with the information as it filtered through. So this is why... On the top surface there's a variation about religions, but underneath there's that basic same foundation and truth. Uh, many works as a medium, but are not 
uh, and me as a client, how can I know for sure who are medium? And there are many people working as mediums. There's thousands of so-called mediums out there. And it's difficult from reading an advert, whether it's in a newspaper or on a website or internet. It's only by experience or recommendation from somebody going to a medium and can say, yes, um, I know this medium's good. We have to realise that a medium cannot be everything for everybody. So I may see a client and the quality of it may not be to the standard I like and the client may not be happy with that standard and I have to accept that but that doesn't mean I'm a bad medium because I have a client that I cannot satisfy hopefully most of the time with the standard is acceptable but we have a lot of people who work in genuinely in sincerity as so-called mediums when they're not it's not because they're trying to delude the public or the clients but they do not understand they may be able to be aware of information but it's not necessarily coming from the spirit world but it depends on why the person is wanting to see a medium are they going to see a medium because they need that evidence because of the loss of somebody they love and care for and they want to know whether that loved one has survived and is well in the spirit world and is still close to them or whether they're going because they're genuinely searching to understand if the spirit is real, is the reality or not, or are they going because of problems and difficulties with this material life. So if it's the last, they're going because they want answers or help or support with the problems in this material life, they do not need to see a medium. They need to see a psychic. And this is where the confusion comes in with the general public because the word psychic and medium is used in the same breath so every medium is psychic but not every psychic is a medium so again here there's nothing wrong with the psychic level I will work with many clients on the psychic level if that's the level that's needed to work with their problems but if we're working with the spirit world and we say we're working with mediumship then there has to be evidence of another mind, independent, individual, that is communicating and that there's an intelligence behind that communication. There's not one particular type of information that will prove. It has to be a collective of information that will maybe not convincing again we cannot say 100% I always say I cannot prove anything all I hope to do is give enough that will open the mind to that the reality yes that was a possibility so there's the two levels so there will be some people who will be good psychics but the mediumistic ability is not there then there will be the mediums who are good but they can have an off day or maybe that client and them do not seem to be able to work together well for some reason because it's a very delicate, very fine line. I can do a week of sitting, say if I go away travelling and have to do 40, 50 sittings. You know, in those 40, 50 sittings, there may be two clients I will have to say, look, it's not working to the degree and quality, but I'd rather be honest and say so. And then you can go away and at least say, well, the man was honest. He didn't work. There'll be a certain amount of those sittings which are passable, 
there'll be another percentage which will be good and then there'll be another certain percentage which I feel and the client will, will feel really outstanding so you cannot develop this to the degree where you excel with every piece of information every contact every sitting every demonstration so very much as long as the medium's got the feet on the ground they're sensible they are sincere and honest that sincerity and honesty are the two most important factors I like to see in somebody and I like and hopefully even though I say myself is the quality I have I would put my sincerity and honesty even maybe before saying yes I'm a top class medium I would prefer to have those two qualities first the sincerity and the honesty that goes with it but then there are people who, who give information coming from the spirit world um, say it's coming from the spirit world when it's not not because they're being dishonest but they've not learned or understood the difference between the two levels both levels are important though what is the difference between the soul and the spirit quite often people use the word soul and spirit in the same breath as if they're the same thing and that's not quite right they're a part of each other but not the same the physical body is the vehicle for the soul and the soul is the vehicle of the spirit the spirit itself has no shape or form the spirit is that divine essence that divine power of life it's the same power that runs through you me the bird the flower or the tree and that is contained within the soul and the soul is what individualizes the power that divine power of the spirit that you and me are so there within the soul is that divine power of life that creative force but also there is mind emotion and the essence of you which will develop through experience of life so as we as we experience in this life whatever happens in us good bad or indifferent it is giving the soul experience it's making the soul more individual in character and personality and that's what's happening through life but then through the soul through that development of character and personality is for us to express that divine power and essence of that spirit because in that divine power that creative force there's a quality that each of us have if we can discover it and express it through the soul to manifest in this world that will make life good for us and this world a better place as a medium is it possible to specialize in a certain area for example if you want to work with uh, investigation for the police or maybe something else mediums who become professional work full time really in one way have to be jack of all trades and be able to develop their gifts to work in many different ways but you can also specialize as you've mentioned um, to different aspects there was one student who I trained who specializes on murder investigations 
I met him in a demonstration when I gave him a contact from his brother who'd been murdered. Uh, so, of course, of that personal experience, he'd got that personal interest and has actually focused on training himself in that way. So in many other aspects, in many ways, we can do the same thing. Also, we've got to look at not just choosing, we've got to look at also the different types of gifts. It's wrong to say, yes, I've decided I want to be a physical medium because I don't, uh, I may not have that ability. Or it's not going to be saying, right, I want to be a healer, a spiritual healer, because healing may not be my quality of gift. So too many people actually decide what they want to be rather than developing the power which will unfold the gifts that they have. I can remember a gentleman I met many, many years ago and he had many contacts telling him that there was the potential there to develop the spiritual healing aspect and he never has. He said, unless I can be a demonstrating medium and give clairvoyance, I will not do anything. And that's so sad. And I see so many people going down avenues developing a certain aspect which isn't right for them because they're choosing and deciding what aspect. I never did. I said to the spirit world, I'll work for you in any way or form. I actually got involved with spiritual healing first. That was my first love. But as I worked with that, then the other gifts started to unfold. So I had to leave the healing alone. But I know eventually that will come back again. But at this time, the part I'm doing is important. But I know the healing will come back again. So it's not me choosing, and people shouldn't choose. Yes, maybe we need to go to different courses or look at different facets of mediumship to discover. But many people do not sit enough to develop the power to see what unfolds where the gifts are concerned. But then with the clairvoyance ability or um, the communication with the spirit world mediumistically or then working on the psychic level, we can focus on particular aspects like murder investigation we could do it maybe for missing persons we could do it maybe for diagnosis we look at many areas could there be any health problems working as a medium as a lot of people say to me oh many of you mediums do not seem very healthy and I don't believe it's anything to do with the mediumistic ability. It's just the lifestyles that we live. Living out of a suitcase, not eating regular, probably just catching um, food here and there, in um, fast food, um, not being at home, um, eating stable diets. That's the main reason. It's not the mediumship itself. There's a lot of people teaching, have a tendency to speak about diabetes being... Um, a detrimental factor with mediumship which really has been extended falsely that really stems back from the days of the physical mediums when physical mediumship was popular then yes we did find that that could have an effect on the medium because you're talking physical mediumship so minerals and chemicals from the medium's body would have to be used so yes it would could and would cause health problems but mental mediumship, none at all. Is it uh, possible for a medium to connect to the spirit if the person 
uh, has died uh, recently, or is it necessary to wait some weeks or maybe half a year or so? There's no set time limit of how quick or how soon or how long it takes for somebody to communicate from the spirit world. There's many been many occasions when I've been taking a church service in England where I've given the communication um, from somebody in the spirit world whose funeral has not even taken taken place. Then there may be others who take a long time before they communicate. And again, there can be many, many reasons. One, it depends on the state of mind of the person when they pass to the spirit world. Secondly, finding the right medium to communicate through to the people they want to or the opportunity to be able to get through to the people they want. So there's no fixed and fast rule on how long or how quick it takes for somebody to communicate from the spirit world. Some are talking about that uh, when we connect to the spirit world, we have to protect ourselves. What do you think about that? I get a little upset at times. There's a number of mediums who have written books and they install fear. And again, it, it's it, it's annoying because we're here to take away fear. And if I thought I would have to ask for protection to communicate with the spirit world and felt that was really necessary, then I would stop what I'm doing today. I've never once asked for protection and I don't see any need to. I've never had any harm done to me or any damage. And I very much believe in like attracts alike. So if I'm going to be frightened uh, of myself, then then maybe, yes, I might be a little bit scared about communicating with the spirit world. But I do not believe anybody from the spirit world would do me any harm. And I don't feel we give the spirit world enough intelligence. We speak about these higher minds, we speak about guides, and, you know, I can't see how these higher minds are going to let anybody come and give me harm and and, and damage. It it doesn't make sense. I'm more worried and concerned about people in this world hurting me than the spirit world. The spirit is uh, eternal. How do we know that for sure? The eternal spirit. How do we know for sure? That's the six million dollar question. As I mentioned earlier, in one way, we cannot prove anything 100%. All we can hope to do is give enough information to look at the possibility and question the possibility and the reality and open our minds to it and search for that. Every individual, even in in demonstrations, I say this to the um, audience, even though they they do not want to become mediums, I say, because you are spirit... It does not mean you um, you cannot have an experience because you're not a medium. Because you're a spirit, you can have a reality of the spirit. And again, it needs to be that personal journey. And if I look at the personal experiences I've had and journeys I've had, where I have actually touched the spirit world, not just through clairvoyant messages, but actually experiencing being part of it, where those souls and minds reside that have that maybe touched the earth 10 years ago 500 years ago a thousand years ago those experiences have given me more conviction of the reality and the eternity of the soul and 
the spirit more so than any message any medium's given me or any message that I've given anybody else because it's not just what I saw what I heard it's actually the experience of the soul that has given me that conviction and that's why myself I have no doubt whatsoever even though I cannot prove 100% and no medium can prove 100% how does um spirit talk to us is it uh, words pictures symbols uh, do they man- manifest themselves or what the spirit world uses many facets to communicate i would say it's like learning another language we have three faculties clairsentience clairvoyance and clairaudience clairsentience is where we can feel and sense that presence of the communicator and from that we can maybe sense and feel the relationship the condition of the passing, their character and their personality. Then we may receive clairvoyant pictures, which then will be of objects and scenes which can give us factual information, but also can be used in a symbolic way, even though we've got to be careful about symbology and that we're not using it as an excuse for being wrong with evidential facts. But through symbology, they can get factual information across. Then we may get thought words, clairaudiently, which then maybe give us um, names or maybe the odd sentence. But we do not hear sentence after sentence after sentence after sentence, even those who say they're clairaudient. If they heard so clearly in so many sentences, why isn't the information they give more specific and why do they still get things wrong if they're hearing it so clearly? We also have to look at these three facets fall into two levels, subjective and objective. Clairsentience is subjective. The clairvoyance is subjective and objective. So on a subjective level, it's thought pictures within your mind, just like your imagination. Objectively, it's then we see it outwardly. It looks as if we're seeing it with our physical eyes, but it's not. It's still a clairvoyant vision. And the same with clairaudience. It's subjective thought words that run across the mind objectively. It sounds as if you're hearing with your ear, but you're not. It's still with the spirit senses, clairaudience. But there's very few strong objective mediums. I will see in here objectively, occasionally, but not on a regular basis. But if we look at language when man first began to communicate, go back to the Stone Age, look at many cultures from around the world, the um, from the East, the Arabic, uh, the Aborigines, what was the language? It was all symbols and picture form. And that's why it's no no difficulty working in different countries with different languages, because a feeling is the same in any language, and a picture is the same in any language. And that's why maybe when I work in other countries or the languages, I maybe do not receive so much clear audience because one, I couldn't pronounce the word, not alone understand them. But also, if we look often in a clairvoyant picture, the spirit world can put one, two, three, four, five pieces of information in a picture, where in sometimes in one word there's only one piece of information. And it takes just as much effort for the spirit world to give you one word as create one picture. And I've always taught the spirit world will give you as little as possible 
to give you as much as possible. I'll give you a little example. I had no training as a medium when I went to the college for the first time to go and discover if I had got a possibility. I'd had messages saying, one day you'll be doing this work, and I thought they were all crazy. Um, anyway, I sat in a group with other students who'd all had experience, and they were all giving this information. And then I sat there all quiet and shy, and the teacher said to me, Paul, have you received anything? And I said, no, nothing at all. And they said, well, your mind cannot be empty. There must have been something going through your mind. So I thought, well, here goes. Well, I saw this coloured light, which I normally see when I know my father's present. I then saw an ice cream cornet. And then I heard the words, play it again, Sam, from the film Casablanca. I said, see, it's a lot of rubbish. It's just my own imagination. And a lady stood up and says, no, it's not. She says, my father's in the spirit world. He's called Sam. He was an ice cream salesman. And I was living in Casablanca when he died. So right from the beginning, my mind comprehended how the spirit world work. See, a lot of people wait a long time expecting they're going to receive information after information after information where it may be just one or two feelings, the odd word, two or three pictures, and we can give a whole contact message just from those few things. So I always say receiving the information is the easy part. The difficult part is understanding it, putting it together and presenting it and delivering it to the right person if it's a public demonstration. And that's the area I like to focus on. That's my interest in. Actually, a lot of mediums really do not do that in their tier two teach. They, um, you know, it's like sit there, do this exercise, see what you get, meditate and see what comes. But they don't explain or, or try to get the student to understand how they have to work with what they receive. It's a partnership. The spirit will do 50% of the work. You have to do the other 50% of the spirit will. It's like a bridge. You one end, they the other, and you meet in the middle. And I think a lot of mediums are lazy, and particularly students. They think they can sit there or stand there, and they have to just be all spiritual. And the spirit will, you know, use me as a channel, and I want to be of service, and just stand there and just wait and open the mouth and repeat whatever the spirit will give them. That's the case. They'll never make good mediums. You have to really work with it. It's really active. A lot of people, when they first come in, because of this spirituality, this spiritual, they think they have to be really sort of like all this quiet, meditative, spiritual state. And actually, working with mediumship, with clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, is a very active form. Your mind has to work in so many ways and so many aspects. You can't be all passive and meditative. You have to be active and work hard with it. So that's the part of teaching and development with mediumship I like to really help students with. When you do a demonstration, how do you know for sure that you have a connection to the spirit world? The reason I ask this question is that many in the audience wish that their lost one will talk to you. But if they are thinking strongly on that person, couldn't it just be that you are a very good mind reader or that is, is uh, telepathy? 
Yes, that could happen, even though I, I, I don't think I'm very good at reading people's minds. I have tried. Um, it's one of the things we get accused of from from sceptics, that we may be reading people's minds. And if we're really honest about it, if I've got an audience of 100 people, I could, in a way, make up a scenario and story that... Some, somebody would claim, you know, and this is my argument, and this is why I maybe upset some other mediums at times, you know, when you have a medium standing there and saying, well, I've got a mother-grandmother figure here, and she loved being in the kitchen cooking, and she liked being in the garden, and she had problems with her mobility, who understands it? Well, if you've got an audience of 100 people, then you'll probably find there's about 80 who would. And this is my argument. Are we really proving that we've got somebody there from the spirit world for the right person? There are two styles of demonstrating. There's one where we throw out to the old audience, which isn't my favourite style, because, like I say, we can make up so many stories where there's bound to be somebody who will accept it. And the other style is where we go direct which is the style I prefer, but I have to even say, though, I work in both. It all depends on what type of information we're receiving. If we're throwing out the information to our audience, then the information needs to be specific. So there's only maybe one or two people in the whole audience. Even if I'm doing a demonstration for a 1,000 people, the opening statements have got to be specific enough that only a couple of people understand. And then we have to take that stage further so that only one person understands. Sometimes the information is a little bit more general. So it's no good throwing general information out because it's not convincing. So if you've got grandmother who did have problems with her mobility and um, like cooking in her kitchen, then... You need to go direct to the person. I have your grandmother who had problems with her mobility, who liked cooking in the kitchen. Then that's fine. But then we have to build it and take it more specific. Okay, what caused the mobility? Was there a particular speciality she cooked? Was there anything specific particularly to do with the kitchen? So then that's okay, because if that's what a person was like and that was their life, then that's the type of information. But like I say, if we throw that out to our audience... Um, it, so many people could understand it and quite often I see demonstrations where I see the contact goes to the wrong person but also again what can also happen is which is also what I try to get across to students is a medium can have somebody there from the spirit world but then once they start speaking to a recipient they can't, they don't hold on to the communicator and they lose the communicator and they may have sensed mom started speaking to the recipient and you hear no more information about the mom the information is all about the recipient and saying oh your mom's saying you're feeling this or i've got a problem and it's not it's coming on a psychic level because you see our mediumship works through the psychic faculty so the psychic faculty is open so even if i go direct i like to have my communicator first two three pieces of information then find my direction. But I see people, uh, I feel drawn to the lady in the red coat. And then you see them trying to make a contact for that person. 
or they're going in psychically. But it's wrong for us, to, even if they do make contact generally for that person, doing it that way means the medium is choosing who has a contact. And that's not correct, the spirit world should choose. So you be aware of your communicator first, then find your direction if possible. It is better, it's cleaner um, that way. Also what we have to look is, to take away this telepathy, I don't mind the odd piece of information not being understood and them checking that out afterwards. Okay, Not a whole contact, I've heard mediums give up nearly a whole contacts and it's been no to all the information and they said oh well it'll be good evidence find out afterwards i can't accept that i think that's a um, poor excuse but if a contact is basically understood and there's the odd piece they have to check out then that's good because then they can be convinced um that we haven't got it from mindering or te telepathy and also where i find is for me they will also often bring in information um, that the recipient's not expecting. I've even said, well, why have they brought that? I wanted them to bring something else of evidence. I said, well, that's better if they're bringing you a piece of evidence that you're not expecting or thinking of. It, it's, it's more evidential. Or they may give a piece of evidence, and I like it when this happens, is, and the recipient says, I don't know, I can't remember, or no, and I know it's correct, and then the spirit world can give me something else, and it makes the penny drop. Oh, yes, that's right. Now you've said that, I realise, yes, that was right. So that helps then convince, because the person's definitely not got it in their conscious mind, thinking about it. Yes, it may be there on a subjective level within them, but again, that's why that odd piece they do not know is good piece of um, evidence when they find out afterwards, but not a whole contact. That can be a little bit of a get out of the contact not working you have written a book what is it about a book's been written with myself and a journalist um, from holland a well-known journalist the book covers one or two aspects first it's small part biography but i didn't want a book that was just about me particularly saying i've given this wonderful message um too many mediums have wrote books like that i can write a book on um, all the wonderful messages i've given but i can write a, another book on lots of messages that have not been good as well so a little bit of biography because people are interested on how we discovered our gifts, how it came about, because it helps maybe themselves in their development to understand what's happening to them, if they can understand what's happened to those who've experienced it before them. So so that's good. It's not about trying to make myself sound good or anything like that. It's, so again, people can learn from my experience of discovering my gift and what brought it about and the development of it. And again... There's examples of my work, but again, not to say I've done this or done that, but to give examples to help people to understand how the communication works. Then there's a little bit of philosophical aspect of what mediumship is about, the purpose of it, what we're trying to achieve by it. I am now writing a, a new book, um, which will be in English because the other one's in, in, in Dutch. 
and I tried translating it, having it translated into English for other countries, but it doesn't translate well, especially when I want to do it into second, third countries. So I'm doing a new one in English, which will be similar to the first one, but it will be slightly different. Can make some improvements on the first one. And then once that's done in English, then we shall be translating it into German, Danish and Italian. So, But that will not be ready till maybe the new year. Do you have a good advice where to begin if some of uh, our listeners think they have the skills to work as a medium? I feel sorry for many people interested in developing their awareness and, and finding out about it because often we have to look at one there's very much a commercial aspect because it's a very popular thing and in that I have no problem with anybody earning a living I, I have to earn a living myself so I have to charge for my, for my teaching but the problem is people going to just paying to go to seminars one weekend seminars or week courses once or twice a year is not enough people need more regular training and the difficulty is is finding teachers of a quality who can take you on board where you can meet on a regular basis and that's difficult so what I often do with my students who I meet is who maybe come for a course for a week at Stansted and they maybe then come to several other weekends wherever whether it's in my own centre or the countries. I say to them, well, you don't need your own teacher. If you can manage to find a teacher, whether it's me or somebody else, where you can learn a good understanding, basic foundation, and understand the exercises and the purpose of them, and then be able to try and form a small group of your own, and then every so often then come back to us to see how the progress is going on and move you then forward to the next stage I've got quite a number I'm limited to how many I can do it for in, in one go there's two young men from um, England who I've taken from beginning to then taking them out with me and then they're working in their own right there's a lady here in um, Copenhagen now who I'm going to give her the opportunity to do her first public demonstration She shouldn't be with me three times. She's done other development here, there and other places. But it's been able to practice in between. So as long as people have got their feet on the ground and sensible and their mind is in balance, then there's nothing wrong in having a little group and developing on your own without a teacher there. But then if you could just come under somebody's umbrella to then go and just check to see how you're practicing, moving you to the next stage. But if you do nothing in between from say doing one seminar to the next then it's like starting from the beginning over and over again and really you do need these small groups and the other thing is a lot of people they maybe learn one exercise or, or try one exercise once and then they're looking for a new exercise or something different to try and I, I, I find that so hard to understand It's say if we speak about psychometry, that's when you're reading an article. Even though with all my years' experience, I'd love the opportunity to have a small group to still practice that and keep pushing the barriers. People do not push themselves or the barriers because they're scared of being wrong. And that's why their information stays general. 
they don't trust their, their gift, they won't push their gift to become more and more specific. It boils down to ego, even though they may think they're not egotistical. So they dip the toe in the water instead of jumping in. But it is difficult for people to get that regular training. But like I say, if they find the right teacher to come under the umbrella with, and they can form their own group, but also the foundation, which many of them will not do, and that is the meditation which they need to do personally. I'm not speaking about guided meditation, walking down the country path and sitting under the tree or by the pool. I'm speaking about going into the stillness, going into the silence, going within the power of their own spirit to communicate with their own spirit and deal with maybe the negative aspects of themselves, experiences of their life, what they don't like about themselves then also then being able to move their mind and power onto another level of consciousness, not to be aware of spirit people, but to be able to connect that power and blend with it. Because if they cannot do that, the mediumistic ability will never work. And by going within their own power of spirit, communicating with it, this is which will, and dealing with things to do with their own spirit, not just the negative, but also the positive. How many of us will not even look at the positive or accept the positive of ourselves, recognise and acknowledge the good things about ourselves. And this is all part of the development. And the power of the spirit is the fuel that makes the gifts work. It doesn't matter whether you've got, say, a brand new um, Ferrari or a rusty 20-year-old Fiat of a car. If you haven't got the petrol, neither will work. And it doesn't matter what ability you have there. If you do not have the fuel, which is the power of the spirit... None of the, the gifts won't work. And that's where people will not give the time. Do you have any clients or are you only teaching groups and have workshops? My work has changed over the years. My main emphasis of my work now is teaching. I still very much love public demonstrations, um, particularly when I'm demonstrating to audiences where it's their first time. That can be more difficult because they're either nervous, scared, sceptical. But I always said to the, in the beginning to the spirit world, if I can be a medium and I can demonstrate mediumship, I do not want to go around the same spiritual churches and centres week in, week out, demonstrating to the same people. I want to be able to go out and reach new people. And I'm quite fortunate with travelling to many countries that most of the audiences I demonstrate... Two, 70% of them are normally people coming to a demonstration for the first time, which I, I find um, satisfying and, and, and rewarding, even though it can make it difficult and hard at times. Um, those who are already believing and convinced can be quite easy to give a contact to at times. The um, So I want to carry on that I, I, I enjoy that even if that's some of that even for my own personal satisfaction it, it gives me uh, to be honest it gives me a buzz it, it, again that may be egotistical but I enjoy their working with an audience uh, it, it's nice and that's not wrong um, the demonstrations are important though it's what we call our shop window it's where people can when they're first inquiring where they may be a little bit sceptical nervous they wouldn't attend a course they wouldn't come for a private sitting but with a large number of people they feel a little bit more comfortable just to come and have 
a little look of maybe what we're about and what we're doing. Most of my time is taken up by by, by teaching, which I enjoy. But also, um, I still see private clients. Um, I wouldn't want to stop doing that. It can be tiring work, because if you think you're dealing with people, um, often in negative situations, so, um, you know, that's emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritual. So when you're doing, you know, day after day, client after client after client, it can be quite draining. So I still do it and would not want to stop, but I limit myself to how many I do. But last year when I did um, the TV show in Holland, I received, I think, in two days over a thousand emails and... The people who were writing those emails, the problems and difficulties and the desperation with so many of them, it really opened my mind up again to the importance of private consultations in our, in our work. Again, I'm still limited time-wise to how many I can do, but reconfirmed um, to me that I must never close the door to seeing people on a private private basis. And also, yes, again, we have to earn a living. It's my work. I have a roof over my head, food on my table. But again, I've seen too many people who've become popular and well-known, either through writing books or, or, or TV. And again, I have no problem with that. I'm doing it myself. But I don't believe it's right when you then, because you maybe get well-known, that you then start pricing people out of being able to afford... Um, a private sitting. I very much believe those who can afford and, and, and pay, then pay whether that's, you know, whatever amount. And then those who can't, they can't. But basically have a level of pricing and I think all mediums should look at, look at that. Do you have a personal dream for the future as a medium and a teacher? My, my, my dream, well, I, I have more than one dream, really. Um, one dream is to have my own actual residential teaching centre, which I'm taking steps towards. And I very much believe the dreams of today are the realities of tomorrow. Um, so I know that can be possible. Because if you think anything that exists in this world, physical world, had to be a thought first. And that's why I very much encourage people with their dreams and aspirations um, of what they would like to bring if it's right for them in their life. So that's a very important part for me to have my own residential centre. Also, very much my main aim and goal in my work, particularly where teaching is, because there's many aspects we can teach, but is raising the standard of good mediumship. I'm really interested in that, of creating as many and helping and assisting develop as many good mediums as possible so we can rise the standard because I'm not always happy with the standard. I'm not always happy with my own standard even, but generally the need is great. And the need is becoming greater and greater because in the past many people came searching to mediums when their lives were touched by um, physical loss of somebody going to the spirit world. Maybe the reasons are different today, but the need's just as great. So many people are finding this world and this life unsatisfactory because the physical world is no longer satisfying them. We've pushed everything to the limits. You know, um, 
there's so much expectations of society in one way or the other that you've got to have this, you've got to be this. And so many people are now feeling so unhappy. They don't maybe understand why. And it's now through mediumship, maybe, bringing that understanding of the reality of the spirit and that they can then start turning back to the spirit world that will bring that balance, happiness and harmony back into their lives. But we're only going to achieve that and do that if we have a good standard of mediumship. And I feel that's my main speciality in teaching and training. Where and how can uh, people contact you? People can contact me through my website, which is paul-jacobs.com. It's in three languages, English, German and Italian. All my email address, telephone numbers are there. They can contact me through the author in the college of the courses there. But all my full details are on the website. There are the email addresses and telephone numbers of all the organisations in different countries who organise the courses and demonstrations and and, uh, private consultations. So so like here, a friend and colleague, Rick, her details will be on the website where you can find out when I'm in Denmark and the same whether it's in Italy, Switzerland, Holland, Germany, whatever. So all the details and contacts are there. Paul Jacobs, thanks for dropping by and uh, all the best to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. You have listened to the program Clarecast by Clairvoyant Jette Hartimer. Please visit my website at clarecast.com. Mm-hmm.